So I think we within the game can do more to make sure in the future we'll have more female coaches of the quality that is needed because that is the the biggest requirement, I think, is that these managers have to be of the quality that is needed to grow the game. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topic in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hi and welcome back to a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. Hi Soph, lovely to have you back, especially with those curtains in the background. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> worry, they're not mine. Um, they're Grandma's beautiful curtains, actually. Um, I'm currently up north in Tom and Tal, recording from Grandma's conservatory while she's just left to go to her craft club. Lovely. And I'm fighting to go back to normal. So we have Carnival here over in Cologne this week and it's been mental the last couple of days so I was collecting sweets for my daughter yesterday Woo-hoo! and had a couple of peers and I'm just recovering from that <laughs> yeah for everyone Ollie you might want to explain carnival in a sense of what everyone does because everyone is in fancy dress what did you go as please share I that. went as a sailor um what? I had the option between <laughs> between two costumes one was a sailor and one was obviously um Ed's uh, profession. I could have gone as a cook as he has everything. I borrowed some of it, but I went as a cook um, to uh, our daughter's, um, okay. how do you call it, children carnival, where there's loads of kids running around screaming, getting hyped on sweets. Um, so I said, okay, I have to wear the sailor one yesterday. Maybe we'll post a picture of that um, as our podcast title this time. I cannot wait for that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a video of you collecting sweets? Uh, there is, I don't think so. So I'd have to, so I, I'm awful with this. I never take pictures and my wife moans at me a lot. Ollie, I've got so many pictures of you with our daughter and I never have one of myself. So I'm, I'm really crap with that. But I'll ask my colleague who is with me if he's got a picture or two that I can then use. And obviously I had this bag around my, my neck and was collecting all kinds of sweets. <laughs> and I did get, get a, a fair few of them. But you can't imagine how many grown-up adults are on their knees in front of you, <laughs> jumping around, collecting all these sweets. Oh. But you can imagine them with two, three bags just around them, filling them up with sweets. Oh, you know God. what? I could actually see Grandma doing that as well, on oh, her knees, 100%. collecting all this. She would have her elbows. Sweets. She would have her elbows, elbows out. out, collecting yeah. sweets. Oh, yeah. yeah. But do you know what, actually? It's it's pretty dangerous to be on one of these stands because you have the stand and they go up and the people are on, like, um, double-decker buses, um, trucks and so on, and they build them just for this occasion. And there's always, like, a theme that they have. And um, this year's theme was, was very political, in a sense. But it's not just, like, little sweets that they throw out. It's, like, whole toffee fear um, packs and, and big chocolate bars and whatever. And why I say it's dangerous, I had a lady next to me who uh, didn't really watch what was happening and she had this big chocolate bar coming up to her yesterday and her lip split and there was blood everywhere in her face just from these <laughs> chocolate bars. But yeah, it can actually be quite dangerous, especially when there's 
uh, a little bit of drink involved, which with Carnival it actually is. But it's a little bit like Halloween, I would say, just for crazy Germans. I was just going to say, just a lot crazier, a lot far more out there. But let's post the video of this carnival so people can actually see what it's like. It's absolutely carnage. Yeah, I'll try to get a video somewhere, so we'll we'll get that on Instagram or whatever. But Perfect. let's go back to football, because this is the actual topic of our <laughs> podcast. So uh, you had your FA Cup tie, and after that, yep. obviously now you went up to grandma's. What are your thoughts about the game against Birmingham? Um, in the end, happy that we won the game. We scored loads of goals, but unfortunately we also conceded goals, which is never good, especially as a defender. Um, I think first half, especially the first 20 minutes maybe, um, Birmingham gave us a good good fight, a good a good game. Um, I think we then dominated most of the game. However, we caused ourselves issues um, by not playing to the highest standards throughout the whole 90 minutes. Um, both ga- goals, sorry, that we conceded came from our, I guess, mistakes, whether that's positionally, whether that's switching off. Uh, unfortunately, we scored an own goal, but that also happened because our positioning was off. Um, in the end, we caused ourselves some issues with that. But we won the game, went through to the next round, we're through to the quarterfinals. And actually, it was just drawn last night. We're playing Liverpool um, the weekend of March 9th. That'll be a very interesting tie as well, won't it? Yeah. Um, it'll be a, hopefully a very good game. Um, Liverpool is definitely a team this year that we want to go and beat. Uh, we lost against them in the league. We beat them in the Conti Cup. So um, we'll see what happens then. Yeah, it's a, it's a very hit or miss match, that, isn't it? Because if we remember last season, that was one of the matches where you started to really have that turnaround, to really believe in yourself. 4-0, I think it was. Um, and then, as you said, seeing this year when you lost against them in the league, um, you need to be fully there for that match. But there is a possibility of going through to the semis, and that would be pretty good, huh? Yeah, that is definitely a possibility, and that's definitely what we're going for. Um as you said, the, the um, recent clashes have been hit and miss in a sense of either we've performed and performed really well and we won 4-0. We've also performed very poorly and we won 1-0 last season. But also we performed, uh, I think, I guess, average um, and we lost against them. So anything can happen, really. We just need to make sure we show up on the day and we perform and then we've got a good chance of winning that game. Is there a special focus on the cup? And I mean, we all know how you're in the league and you're mid-table, but obviously still fighting to the bottom of the, the league a little bit to, to try to get that distance away so nothing else can happen. Can there already be a strong focus on the on the cup or do you still need to split energy between league and cup? Um, I think every team is different for us. However, we are focusing on both league and cup. We're unfortunately out of the Conti Cup because uh, we didn't advance to the quarterfinals. Um, so now we've, I guess, only have got two competitions to focus on, which is the league and the FA Cup. And we're going to do everything to go as far as we can in the FA Cup. Um, that final, as everyone knows, is held at Wembley, which is obviously an aspiration for, for every player, especially in England. Um, but as you said, the league is still massive for us. Um, we know that anything can happen and we need to perform every single game to make sure we reach our targets. And we also are tending to get like to the third third um of of the season. Are you starting to notice that last push of energy to get to the to the finish line? 
not quite yet, which is a good thing because um, we've still got a couple of months to go. Um, the The nice thing is that we're in a way better position than we were last year because I think I mentioned it in one of the first episodes when we started recording, that was mentally draining that whole season. Um, and we've also just come back from a Christmas break. Um, after Christmas, always a little bit of a second wind of fresh start. Uh, we've got new players in. Um, as I said, we had the break where we could all go back and, and spend time with the families. Um, so we are very much still energised and ready to battle. We're not um, going towards the whole tapering it down, can't wait for the finish line kind of thing. Obviously, you're in Scotland now um, and I thought you were up there for camp. But d- don't you have the next camp session sometime soon? Yeah, it's after this week. So we play Bristol at the weekend and then the Monday after we're on camp. Um, ironically we're not going to Scotland um, that's what dad also thought that I was driving up for camp where are you going to where are you flying to <laughs> we're going to Spain actually we're going to Alicante or we're flying into Alicante where dad lives um, my earth is so high then huh well dad's not there that's just a funny oh, thing about my whole, my whole family like I'm going to Spain to... basically dad's home airport and he's in America seeing his brother <laughs> so I missed that chance again um, but yeah we're playing in Pinata little Pinata tournament um, which will be good for us after the disappointment of the Nations League. I think we need to regroup um, and it's a chance to come back stronger and it starts with the friendlies and Pinata. I'm going to jump back to club uh, and away from country, but another topic I wanted to touch on um, was the Chelsea coach on the women's side has also announced that she'll be leaving Chelsea at the end of the season. Any insights from you on that? Um, I don't know if they're insights, it's just me hearing what's been said and then reading um, she's yes as you said um, announced that she'll be, ta- be leaving Chelsea at the end of the season um, she's taken the US women's national team job um, which is probably the biggest job in women's football um, interestingly they've um, shared that she'll be on the same salary as the male men's coach which is obviously massive for us as in, in the women's game um, for Emma Hayes it's massive as well uh, financially um, but it's it's a decision she won't have taken lightly because Chelsea is one of the best teams in the world uh, in England probably the best um, yeah and I think a lot of managers look up to Emma Hayes um, what she's created at Chelsea is unreal um, and I don't I don't know her as a person so therefore I can't say much about how she manages but speaking to people everyone loves her there will be people that, that don't appreciate her say, um, but that's also depending on probably game time. We all know how football works. Um, but she's created something really, really special at Chelsea where it's a highly demanding environment. They go for championships. They go for titles every single year. They are disappointed if they don't win all three um, and four, including Champions League, because that's the one thing she hasn't won with Chelsea yet. Are you expecting a big switch on the coach side in the Women's Super League in future then, at the end of the year? Not so much, I think. Um, I think either they've already reclu- recruited or completed the, the person that's going to f- step into Emma Hayes' um, footsteps. But as far as I'm concerned, it won't even be anyone from the WSL. Um, there are a few names thrown in. But all these names weren't current managers from a team within the WSL um, or the UK um, as such. We'll see what happens. But um, 
it's very clear that Emma Hayes has said she's not just going to get up and leave and leave Chelsea behind without kind of helping out, I'd say. She's focused on a smooth transition. Um, She clearly cares a lot about the club, the team, the players. Um, So she wants them to be in the best position possible to continue their success, which I think speaks volume and speaks for her as a manager, what she's created at Chelsea. Um, You can see it's close to her heart. And um, as much as she's made the decision to leave, um, she's still there to continue, I guess, their journey of success. Just as with Klopp here, she's given a lot of time for this announcement and hasn't given it last minute. How do you think that always plays out for the team? Is it better to have it announced pretty early? Um, I think that pro- there's pros and cons. The position they're in, I think it's a positive thing in a sense of similar to Liverpool, they will do anything and give it their all, which they probably would have done regardless, but even more so now. Um, to make sure Emma Hayes can leave on the high in a sense of winning the title race, giving it their all to win the Champions League because that is the one thing, as I mentioned, she's still got to win with Chelsea. Um, And if you're leaving a club like Chelsea that is the best in England, it will take some time to find a replacement. And I think it's very fair of her to give the club that time and she will want the club to have that time to recruit the, the right person. Um, so I think in this situation, it's a positive thing. Um, and she made the right decision to give the, the club as much time and the players as much time as possible. And then the new manager also has the time in pre-season to really get to know the team, uh, to prepare and not have it mid-season. Exactly. And I think for the players that potentially are out of contract and stuff like that, it will be hard if... Nothing had been discussed and she just gets up and leaves. The, where are these players left? Because they're quite unlikely at Chelsea, but if you're out of contract and say a new manager comes in and they don't like you anymore, you don't have a contract. That's not a good position to be in. Um, so I think for players as well, as as much as it's very important for the club, but the, for the players as well, it's important that she announced that fairly early on. Absolutely. I, I think you can get all ducks in line. And one other question just came up to my mind and I just like your your position on that because we always talk about this men's side women's side whatever and you now have a lot of male managers in the league um but then on on the referee side for example they're they're all female do you think it's a positive to have the male managers in there or is it unfair for the women's managers who would want to take that place I think the best manager, whether male or female, should get the job. However, I don't think women footballers, who typically potentially will become managers, are supported enough in their coaching career to then have the required licence to then go on and manage um, after their playing career. I think not every footballer wants to become a manager and not every good footballer will be a good manager uh, two different professions, but typically, if your passion is in the game, and not every manager was a good footballer. Exactly. So um, you can't really say all oh, the generation of female footballers or female managers are still playing because not everyone will want to become a manager and would be a good manager. However, if you're passionate about the game, you're typically somehow involved already, um, and often, and it is 
fairly similar with the men, but I think they get more support, is we have our career and it's often very difficult to build your coaching career alongside that. So if you finished your playing career and you then have to go and get your budget, it'll take you so many years that you're out of the game to then become a high-profile manager, I guess. So I think we within the game can do more to make sure in the future we'll have more female coaches of the quality that is needed because that is the the biggest requirement, I think, is that these managers have to be of the quality that is needed to grow the game. I love that answer. And I, I think if we had talked about this a couple of years ago, your answer would probably have been a little bit different. But as discussing yes. a lot, I, I totally agree. I think the best manager, if woman or man, doesn't matter, should get the job. Yeah. I totally agree with that point. With the second part of um, your answer, where you talked about the support, obviously, from league and club, whatsoever, you have two badges. Did you do it all on, off your own back then? So we've got the PFA, um, Professional Footballers Association, I think it is, um, that supports us. So I almost have to take that back. What I probably meant is doing both at the same time is very time-consuming and it can be quite tough, especially if international comes with that as well. So, um, yes, I, I was supported and I'm currently working on my B licence, got one more session to complete and hand in my project. Um, so hopefully that will all go well and I'm well underway, if that makes sense. But it's been a tough journey to get my badges. Do you think it is necessary to jump straight into a managerial career just after your playing career? Because I read something about Chubby Alonso just recently um, where he was praised by one of his um, previous presidents from the club saying that he focused entirely on his football career but learned obviously and listened about listened to the managers listened to the coaches and, and learned in that stage and then he took time to get his licenses to go to other coaches learn from them and then he went into manager role as a co-manager until he went to his first proper managing role at Leverkusen, don't you think that's also a possibility for women in women's football? Or do you think it's different because of the salary they earn during their active footballer career? Um, I think you already an answered the question. I think the way Alonso did it is very, very smart. I think he gathered and gained all the experience and exposure to managing, whether that's uh, a co-manager uh, whether that's an assistant, a, a trainer, whatever, to then take his first manager job. And I think that is why he's so successful at the moment at Leverkusen. Um, but if I went after my playing career and got all my badges, it would be very difficult to combine with a no normal job. And would I then leave this normal job to then go managing? Because I need I need money to do all these badges, don't I? Um there's also, currently while I'm playing, that's also a thing, while I'm part of the PFA, I get a discounted price to get my badges. But I, I think you've answered your question that the difference is in what I've got on my bank account to then go and do my badges and all these experiences without bringing in. How long does in. it take to get one of these badges? Oh, we've pro prolonged this one quite a bit. Um, I'd say we could have got it done in, in six months if we'd, if we'd committed to six months. Um, but we were taking our time, the group that of us that were doing it, because we all still had a contract beyond last Who's year. Who's we? Was, well, currently it's just two players because um, 
because it took so long, three players left the club within this time. So it's only Sam Tierney and myself at the moment. So we're a group of five, and now it's only Sam and I that are completing, hopefully, our B licence. Interesting. So we might even see you as a manager as well, taking over Liverpool, Liverpool, Leicester. <laughs> we will see. Um, I have no clue what I'm going to do after football because right now I'm focusing on football and I'm relying on my network. Thank you very much for today, for, for all your insights, uh, the lovely discussion again. Um, have a lovely time at Grandma's and then I'll see you again next week. Yeah, you're very welcome. I mean, I'm driving back today. I was just driving up Sunday, spent Monday, driving back Tuesday. Um, and also, there's a snowstorm predicted, so I should get off soon. But thanks, Ollie, again for today. And I hope everyone enjoyed it. And I'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. See you next week and drive safe, safe. Bye-bye. Will do. Bye-bye.